When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Things have gone crazy in Potterville, haven't they? Um, potty lineup, you could say. And... Really, I thought about changing the entire um, setup for today's podcast and getting in some complete peripheral reserves in. But uh, in the end, I decided not to follow in Graham's boots. And I have instead opted to stick with my good old pal and co-host, Peter Marsh, and with Andy Bravery. Hello, boys. Hi, Russ. Hello there. I have a trip yesterday. <laughs> yes, well, you sound remarkably chirpy considering uh, all things, well, all things considered. Um the Arsenal game, uh, in case anybody doesn't know, I'm pretty sure they will, it was another disappointing result. We lost 1-0, and all the talk is about the lineup, which was Sanchez and goal again, OK, fine. We then have Webster, Dunk and Byrne at centre-back with Veltman and... and um, have I, I missed someone out. Bernardo. Bernardo, yes, of course. Bernardo, how can I forget, in the wing-back roles, which was a surprise in itself. Further surprises looking further forward. Proper out of the blue suddenly comes back into the equation. Uh, Basuma was still in there. Grosh started. And Jahambach and McAllister were the other players further forward that we had in the starting lineup. So no out-and-out recognisable strikers. Um, Connolly was on the bench. Morpé was on the bench. And Welbeck was on the bench. Um, and Zakiri. So, so, and Zakiri, yeah. So we had four strikers, all of them on the bench. Um a lot of dissent pre-match uh, when the teams were announced. A lot of incredulity. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure it's so much dissent as just confusion, I think, probably, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I've well, never heard of a team have four strikers on the bench and not start with one. It's just it was very, very I bizarre. Say, I have to say yeah. that I normally would just shrug my shoulders, but I, I was even heard to say, like, I don't know what Potter's on tonight, but I could do with some of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, well, we, we say no one. Robin, who may or may not be able to join us for this episode a little bit later on, um, he was pretty annoyed, I think. I haven't actually read um, all the stuff on the WhatsApp chat groups at the time because I was quite busy sorting stuff out before the game. Um, and then I haven't had time to catch up since. But apparently he wasn't too happy at all with the lineup, along with a couple of other friends of ours. Um, overall, though, yeah, I mean, it was it was a really baffling lineup. And... 
for me, and I think Andy, just off air, you were saying the same thing, more pay not starting this game is, for me, a no-brainer. Now, I know he played the, pretty much all the game, or was it maybe the entirety of the game a couple of days ago? Um, but the fact of the matter is, he's got a goal, finally, um, to get back on track. He's got maybe a bit of confidence, smart back up. He's playing Arsenal, which is the team that he gets under the skin of. He scored in both goals, uh, both games last year uh, for a telling, uh, a decisive influence on the game. Um, yes, he might not be able to do another 90 minutes, but surely you play him from the start and let him run himself out for 60 minutes or so. That in itself alone seems crazy to me. Um, thoughts on that one? Well, I'll go, I'll go first because, um, I mean, I think Pete was saying actually about Naylor. Naylor's normally quite supportive of the um, of, of the uh, the manager in his writing. And I, I tend to agree with Andy Naylor and he found it baffling last night as to why more pay wasn't in the team. Like mm. you said, you know, everything was everything was looking like he, you know, he's got the confidence back. You know, you could never really criticise the guy for the amount of running he does. If we were going to play, you know, four off four in the midfield off him, then then basically he's the one who probably could run into the spaces behind the behind their back four. It just seemed all set up for him except the fact that we played Yankabash instead, really. Um yeah. who I don't is not played there in, in the time I've been watching him for Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um he just I mean he he just Yankabash just seems as if every now and then you see a moment of brilliance, but most of the time you see something that doesn't even belong in the Premiership, quite frankly. Um, I just, um, I, 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 you know, if I'm more pay, I must be just thinking, I, I don't know what I've got to do to get another game then, really. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. yeah, I agree. So. You, you can understand, it's, there's a very quick turnaround here. Obviously, two games apart, you can see what, I'm pretty sure that's what Potter was doing, was he, well, he's playing that game, we have to rotate it round, fine. But, you know, I, in that particular instance, I would have therefore planned it the other way around so the more pace starts the Arsenal game if that's the case for one thing um, yeah. secondly the fact you've ended up boxing all your strikers into one game in general and then none of them playing from the start in the other one unless something freaky's happened where nobody was available fit enough to do uh, start and he wasn't sure what he had and the, the nine is just there for the sake of it pretty much then aside from that I've no idea what the hell he was doing with that it sounds like Welbeck was injured, to be fair, and kind of had a knock, and that's yeah, okay. why he didn't Which start. But yeah, exactly. A, Malpe should have started, and B, if he, if, yeah, exactly, they shouldn't have played them both at West Ham. As you say, it felt like a kind of like last time he did this was Tottenham away, and although I didn't agree with it, well, fair enough, we probably weren't going to get much, given it, give it a go. Mm. And if it had been like Man City away, and we'd had two winnable games either side, I could kind of get it playing both Welbeck and Malpe in either either end. But after the one point or one position above us in the league. We've got a really good record against them. We did a double over them last season. They, yes, they got a good result on Boxing Day, but generally their form has been dreadful. Why are yeah. we? Why are we pretty much giving away a game like that? Yeah, and they think, they look there for the taking. To be honest, I, w- I would, with all due respect to Arsenal fans, if any are listening, and uh, including mates of ours that we've had on, but I, I didn't think they looked a great team. They didn't look particularly confident, and arguably for all of the crazy lineup involved <laughs> from our end, we did still carry on playing in, in the usual format. Um, Robin, who we just mentioned, said or claims he didn't watch the game as soon as he saw the lineup. And that's how annoyed he was with it. And he said afterwards, um, can I assume that we played quite well in the first half, didn't make the most of our chances, dropped off in the second half and the other team improved. We 
and and if there was any luck involved, we didn't get any. That pretty much sums it up. But uh, Andy, back back to you. Well, I was just going to say about Morpay is that you know he could have at least played an hour, and he doesn't look like somebody at the moment who's particularly susceptible to injury. No. So I don't see why he couldn't have played. I mean, and if that rule exists, then why does Basuma play every minute of every game? Yeah, agreed. And also, I mean, after after tomorrow, uh, after Saturday, we've then got no game. Well, the weekend, well, Mope won't have a game against Newport, so he can be rested for at least a week and a half. And I mean, even if you have to take him out of Man City away, take him out of that to play him yesterday. I mean, if you if you need if he plays three games in a week and then needs two weeks off, then give him that. I'd rather play him against Arsenal home than Man City away. It's just it just makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. And I mean, I mean it would even make a lot of sense either. Why was White taken out? Was it was that just because of that one goal that they scored, uh, West Ham scored that he was taken out? Yeah, so. I mean, you could even make a case that making more sense than that would be to play someone like Sakiri in the Sheffield United game. Um, so you, you, you use him up in that match, in that fixture, um, because he's an unknown quantity against the Sheffield United team who are bound to sit back and are going to drill the whole game around defending what they're expecting us to bring to the party. So maybe you chuck in a, a curveball in that game, um, because uh, as I mentioned, that's the one game where I would have played Glenn Murray if he was available, because yeah. he's, it's just his kind of game, isn't it, still? Yeah, it, it's not a match, matter of pace who yeah. would, was never going to get a chance of getting in behind Sheffield United's defence. Maybe, yeah, maybe Connolly should have been played last night if he was yeah. fit again. Because actually, yeah. Arsenal weren't going to sit back against us. You know, if you if you didn't want to play Mopan, you didn't want to play Welbeck, play Connolly then. You, you know, you could ask the Arsenal were never going to, although they didn't play well in the first half, they were never really sitting back. They weren't sitting defending deep or whatever. So we could have got in behind them. But we had no pace up front. Grosh, McAllister and your handbatch between them don't have any pace. There's no real... In fact, that team as a whole doesn't have any pace really whatsoever that team that started yesterday and it's yeah and yeah white getting dropped after and playing four players effectively who've barely started a league game all season in one game when you can only make three subs it's ridiculous it basically means leaves you open to players getting knackered and it's probably a major part of the reason we faded second half because the likes of proper and bernardo and um and Jahan batch and McAllister hadn't played for ages and so probably weren't match fit you know maybe if you, if you give one of them a go fair enough but playing all four of them it just makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it did as well bring home that, as we were saying, talking about earlier before we started, that, um, you know, Potter, I mean, the way he set the team up to start with, clearly that threw Arsenal a bit. They, they couldn't respond. It took them to half time. But then when he did respond and he made some changes, it's like Potter doesn't seem to be able to react to that. And whether he does or not, I don't know, but it doesn't seem to be, able, and maybe it's because he hasn't got good enough players in certain positions. But I can think of other games. So there was that game when, when uh, Sheffield United made their sub on 35 minutes against us. He didn't seem to be able to completely react to that. West Brom's second half, he didn't seem to be able to react to that. There have been a number of um, games I felt that, that the other team have made a tactical change and we don't seem to have been able to overcome it. And I can't work out at the moment whether that's Potter not being able to work it out because he certainly seems to be able to change his, his um, formation around or whether it's actually a case of the players he's got available are just, just not good enough. Well, that's another classic one that they, you know, we were all over them the first half and they, they hardly deserved their goal. But then, although they were lucky to win in the end, they were a better team comfortably second half and were all over us, kind of dominated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had, they had five or six chances, didn't they, second half before yeah. the goal came. And actually, although yeah. they didn't test Ryan, that was actually, you know, they, they were a the better team comfortably. And we didn't actually react to that. And it's, it's so frustrating because you can see it coming from watching the game. I was watching with a mate yesterday and I was saying, we're not making, we need to make a substitution, we need to change something, but they don't, 
he doesn't react. And then literally Arsenal made a change, scored within a minute. And then we're already, yes, all right, Mope might have been coming on before the goal, but he still took far too long to react. It should have been done within five minutes, arguably, when Arsenal had about two really good chances in the second half in the first five minutes, we should have made a change and looked to try. Or, and even, or even just making an on-field tactical change. He doesn't seem to be able to shore things up, yeah. you know. And he was, I feel like a year ago, he was quite good at that. He'd start, he was quite proactive. He didn't always work, but he was quite proactive. He'd change things. He'd change formations mid-game. He'd, he'd make subs quite early. He'd, he'd make quite attacking subs even. Like I remember I was saying earlier, one at Watford, the first game of the season, when his first game, when he brought on two attackers in Andoni and, and Malpe, when we were already 1-0 up, which was unheard of. under Hewton, the idea that we'd have done that, we'd have brought on. But now he seems to have regressed. And in that situation, now you feel he'd have brought on two defenders and sat back on a 1-0 lead. And he seems yeah. to have... It's, it's almost like the being down the bottom and constantly fighting relegation has kind of got to him. And... Yeah, I mean, a, a couple of points. I mean, first of all, I do think the second half of games is becoming a massive issue for us. That We've had a d- disgracefully bad second half against West Brom. That was awful. Southampton, yeah, they're a good team, but we didn't do what we could have done to the best tactically, substitution-wise, in that match. Um, we've fallen away in other games that are probably too numerous to, to start listing now. Um you could say Sheffield United second half because of the fact that, you know, things got worse for us That's in that right. half. In this game, um, again, you know, it's the same, it's the same old thing. Um, Keith Phillips, uh, a listener of ours, who I, I think I mentioned on the last podcast, hello again to you, Keith. He sent me a message actually, um, literally while we've been on air, just saying it was your first half, our second half. Yeah, that, that fits the pattern our <laughs> side of things, doesn't it? And he said, if you can't beat the Arsenal, then I think you're in trouble. Uh, with some unsmiley faces um, because he, he's wishing us the best, basically. But, uh, you know, that, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? The fact that um, we are really struggling in the second half of games now, which is, as you've just made in your observations there, Peter, not not an issue we had before. We were more dynamic, changeable, flexible. We're not now. Or it has to be said, we dominated the first half, but didn't actually test Lino. Yeah, no, ironically, I did, I did, for all of our... Even though Arsenal didn't actually turn up in the first half, we never actually tested their keeper. I think there was one shot straight at him, and that was it. I really I did feel, I did feel though that we were people like McAllister that were trying to get some shots away. I felt like we were trying to do it, but we still couldn't do it. And then when we had a couple of opportunities, I think there was one for you, Yankabash. You know, yeah, he, he had a shot. He, he didn't yeah. have it. And yeah. and Bernardo, I think, could have, you know, in some ways did some good things on the left, but could have done a lot more with the ball than he did, you know, when he had it. Yeah, he he was surprising in one sense. He did seem up for it, and he just seemed very well involved, didn't he, Bernardo? Um, I think he dropped away as the game wore on. Uh, Jahanbach with that chance, yeah, it was it was a it was sort of like a shot low to the goalie's right, um, probably just going inside the post, and but it was all too easy to save the, the the McAllister shot. I mean, this is one of the issues I've got, I think, with Potter at the moment is McAllister. He he looked a pretty good player. He was always going to take time to integrate. And yeah, when you first get a player in like that, maybe you don't play him every game straight away. You might drop him in, you know, to like ease him in gradually. And maybe there's been one or two issues with injuries or something, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is he, he appears to have been available for a while now, apart from that period where he had, the, he had to isolate, didn't he, I think. Um, so you're looking at a player there who I think has got a lot to offer. He, he could be the guy that fits the bill to fill that void that we seem to really suffer from when Lallana's not available. Um, as emphasised in our last match, where the second half, when he had to come off, you know, it was, it was a completely different game and that cost us the West Ham match. But in this um, 
in this case, you know, you can see he's a guy who's got a bit about him. He had probably the most meaningful chance, which was in that first half, which was the shot from range, which had loads of power. It was just a bit over the bar, but it was one of those shots that, generally speaking, had been been kept down and was a dangerous option, dangerous effort. Um, You get him a run in the team in that number 10 role, even if it's just part of every game rather than all of every game, he's going to start to show something, I think. He looks good enough quality from the little I've seen of him to to be used far more than he has been. Um, now, I'm not on the training ground, so I don't know what Graham Potter's thoughts are. Maybe he's seeing something that says otherwise. But whenever I've seen him on the pitch, which is what matters most, he's looked like he could be a threat. Andy? Can I, can I just say something about being on the training ground? So hmm. this, this is something that um, when I was a kid, I used to see it. And in even coaching the under 10 level, I see, I see some, I seem to see some players that on coach, you know, on the training ground, um, looking really good and thinking, oh, you know, on on Saturday or Sunday, whenever we play, that you know, they're really going to like take it to the opposition. We're going to be really good. Get them on the pitch on the Sunday, and they just, they're just not the same person. Just fade away. That might be because they're playing against lesser players in training than on the pitch, or it might just be the pressure of the game. So I read today about his comments about um, Yankovash. You know, looking really good in training, and that's fine. And you know, and, and maybe you give them a chance based on that. But actually, lots of people look good in training, but it's on the pitch that really matters. You know, and I, and I just think that one or two of them, they just don't, they're just not delivering it on the pitch. You know, we haven't, we haven't got enough players at the moment in that team, particularly in the midfield and going forward, who are having good games week in, week out. I can't think yeah. of any of the forward line that are doing that week in, week out. Um, and I, and I think also, just, just going back to like the interchanging of the players, you know, we've got Ben White. You know, Ben White's his first season in the Premiership. So far, mm-hmm. he's played right centre-back. centre, centre back. He's played centre midfield. He's played right back. And I think he's played right wing back. You know, yeah. that boy needs really to be told that this is your position for now. And yeah. this is where I want you to play. And I want you to play there week in, week out. And then I think we'll get the best out of him. He's already looking good, but he could even look better. And I think at the moment, I think we're asking too much of him, really. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, yeah, you're right. It's good to have players who are flexible. And, and he will, if he stays with us long term, would be a, a, an immense asset to us in that regard, as well as in his his main role, which clearly is as a centre-back, at least at the moment. Um, I agree with you on that point. Um Again, it ties in with the McAllister thing, having players consistently enrolled. Um, it is a bit of a vicious circle because if you've got strikers who aren't performing, do you stick with them, get them a run so they can build the confidence and, and hit form? Because strikers go up and down in form anyway, don't they? And they go up and down in confidence. But if you rotate too much, is that not also undermining the thing you're tr- the very thing you're trying to do, which is to find a formula that's going to work yeah. in the short to medium term? And one, one other thing on training, by the way, Sergio Aguero apparently is dreadful in training. Um, so your point proved there, Andy. Uh, anyway, Peter, you ever, um, can you remember Osprey, the um, yeah. Italian forward in Zaggy? Yeah. Apparently, yeah. in Zaggy in training, you said like, a dreadful first touch. It hmm. bounced off his shins. It bounced off his feet. He couldn't control the ball. You got him into the game, and it was one of the most clinical finishes around. You yeah. know, and that and that's what I think you see sometimes. I think sometimes you can almost overplay I mean to be fair a player trying to get in the team has got no no choice but to to show what he can do in training and that's fair enough but it's Mm. kind of like how many times you get them to take that from the training ground to the pitch before you think I'm not sure they've quite got it and I'm afraid that's where I am with Yankabash I don't think he's got it 
Just one more thing, Roy. Before I go, I go back to Peter, just one thing as well. Um, quite a few people, and um, I think, um, you know, it's, it's been mentioned by, by a number of people that we've got pretty much a strongest 11, I think, um, in most people's eyes, there or thereabouts, which seems to involve Dunk, Webster and White. Maybe there's a slight argument somewhere in there. But those three, um, having Lamptey, obviously, when he's, when he's available as a wing back on one side, Solly on the other, having Basuma and Alzate, again, slight debate there maybe in, in midfield, Lalana when he's available further forward and then playing more pay and Welbeck. That seems to be the perception of our best front line at the moment um, with people like Connolly um, and, you know, and Veltman on the bench or you, arguably you could put Veltman in the team instead of one of the others. But something along those lines... It never feels like there's anywhere near that level of consistency. Now, I know a lot of that is to do with injuries and, and rotating and compressed uh, fixture schedules and everything like that. But that the fact that we're nowhere near that as a regular basis, whether it's by design or by necessity, I don't know. But that is definitely not helping, I think. But anyway, over to you, Peter. Yeah. Just picking up on a couple of points you guys mentioned. Um, one, along with the, what you said about white moving position, and um, I'd also add Grosh and Alana to that as well, because they've both played alongside... Isuma at times, they both play further forward at times, and neither of them seem to have a position that Potter plays with him in more, more regularly because Lalana's played quite a lot alongside Isuma, when actually I think he'd be much better up higher up, higher up the pitch. The other thing is on McAllister is I don't think it's also fair to judge him on yesterday's game or any of those front three, really, because without a striker up there, you can't really judge any of Grosh, Jahanbach, or or McAllister on yesterday's game. It's not they're, they're basically all playing with three two similar players. Certainly, Grosh and McAllister are reasonably similar in terms of, you know, kind of like they're more attacking midfielders. Jahanbach is the winger. They, they, without a striker up front, you can't really judge their performances. As you say, you want McAllister up there with a kind of striker and, you know, kind of says, trying to get involved in the game more and that sort of thing. And it doesn't sound like that's, you know, actually, he doesn't obviously give, he didn't really give them either of any of them a chance really yesterday because they were playing almost kind of like, in a, you know, in a front three that was yeah, not a normal front three because there were like none of them, no striker involved. And so, and I understand Barcelona play a, you know, a kind of, um, what's the word, um, not fake nine, but whatever it's called, you know, kind Force of. Nine. Yeah. Force nine, yeah. Um, but we're not bloody Barcelona, you know. We should. Yeah, be you have to be very good to play that. Is our central striker focus? We have four strikers on the bench. Play a bloody striker from the start. Yeah, all right. If you, if you know, if it's Connolly or Zakiri, even give Zakiri a chance, as you said, whatever. But we should play a striker from the start. That is, yeah, it's ridiculous to not play one when we have four yeah. options. They might not all be great, you know. They might not be the best options in the world, but play one of them in their right position, and don't piss around with the strike, the formation, and, and, and the players all the time, you know. But other teams, Leeds didn't change, change one player today and won five nil. Now I realise yeah. that Arsenal aren't West Brom, but you know. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're a much better game than we do as well. Yeah, and you look at the West Brom game and you think, well, first of all, um, you know, five nil is a resounding win for Leeds there, and it just emphasises how much better they've made of a game against what is ultimately a really struggling side that's going to struggle all season compared with what we did, which was a dreadful dropping of two points. That's two points we should never, ever have dropped, um, regardless of anything else that happens this season. And it does make me, I certainly say I'm I'm swinging in my concern. Um, I will come to the details of what we think about Potter in a moment, but I, I do know that the tide is starting to turn quite significantly, North Stand polls and all the other stuff are, are starting su to suggest it. Some of the comments on, apparently somebody quoted from North Stand chat, um, were talking about how the accountability, yes, it's a collective thing, 
part of it's Potter, part of it's the players, part of it arguably could be to do with recruitment and maybe chairman's, um, uh, you know, just his overall perspective on what he wanted to do in terms of acquisitions. You can argue there's a case for all of that. For, for Graham Potter's point of view, I mean, off the back of what's happened, I don't know how much he's feeling the pressure, how much he's uh, aware of the, the the kind of the general feeling amongst the fan base. I'm not sure. Um, but the things he said um, in, in the post-match, he was saying it's not for a lack of confidence. They just We just need to be better. Um, I, I don't believe that really at all. I do think we're lacking confidence in front of goal. There is a, a case in this these comments that were made on All Stand Chat to do with um, training and encouraging better movement, better running off the ball um, and interactivity in that final third, basically, creating one-twos, trying to get teams on the back foot better. Um, we're not doing that as well as we could do. That is definitely partly due to the players, but there has to be there has to be something to do with what's going on on the training ground and in the briefings, and in the drills ahead of the game and on the match day in the, in the motivational speeches and whatever that can better encourage those players to do well because it seems too much of an anomaly that somebody again I can't remember who it was said we're Brazil in the midfield and then we're Bexhill up front which is a bit rude to Bexhill but uh, but um you know it is a bit like that isn't it we it's such a ridiculous anomaly between the two parts of the field that there must be something wrong there I think at some point you've got to look at yes all right we haven't got the goal scorer and that's frustrating, but you've got to be more pragmatic if you're Potter. You've got to look mm. at it and say, we're conceding goals. We need to stop conceding silly goals. So maybe mm. we'd be a bit more defensive, a bit more, a bit less open in, in our play and a bit more, you know, kind of like, like he did actually, to be fair, after lockdown, he did a bit more, we was a bit more pragmatic and we got mm. some results out of that. So, I mean, I, my, my personal view is and I've kind of moved on to the Potter out kind of, yeah, side just because I don't think he looks like he can change it. The one, the one way we can change it and I've, said, I've been saying this for a while, I think, it's, it's a striker. And we, so we either need to sign an expensive striker or we need to, or we need to change manager to someone, yeah. not to dice equivalent, but to someone more pragmatic in between the kind of Hewton and Posser area who can sort our defence out a bit more, be a bit more solid in defence, and then also maybe get a little bit more out of our strikers but while also kind of, you know, accepting that maybe we don't get any big names in. I'm not convinced in that the second one's going to happen. It's a matter of whether... Or the, yeah, I don't, I'm not convinced the manager's going to be changed. So it's a matter of whether Tony Bloom's willing to commit and start to the striker. And if he's not, then I think we'll probably end up going down this season because I think yeah, one the, of the best in players in January, they've done better than maybe most expected of their second recently. And I think they'll look at that as a chance to then invest because their main weakness is probably Cavalero as their main striker as they're not playing with Mitrovic up front as their starter now. They'll look to get a striker in to fit that food because they do invest, they do spend quite big potentially. And then if they do that, I reckon they'll finish above us. And uh, yeah, everyone else just looks, it's already pulling away now. It's concerning, isn't it? And I know you've, you've said for a while, we're going to need to invest really. Um, stick or twist, what do we do? Uh, I think the concern for me is that um, we've obviously got the, the very strong likelihood that Percy Tao is going to get approved to, to be able to play. He's going to come in. My concern is he comes in he isn't able to make enough of, an, of a difference. Maybe for, fair enough as well. We'll see. But um, it's, it's going to be... A, that we need either. He's not the striker. Exactly. He's not that centre-forward, is he? Help, but if you know, he can cross it you know, constantly, but if they can't finish the, the thing... Yeah, and if we settle for just that as our option, we've got, a, we've got a forward coming in, so that deal with it, that's going to be a problem, yeah, I think. And Andy, yeah. 
Well, Naila makes another point that I thought was good, and and, and we've all said it ourselves, really. Like, you know, like we're a better team when Lamptey's in the team. We shouldn't be relying on a 20-year-old right back, wing back, to be to improve us going forward. But he does, and really, it's too much on his shoulders. And actually, that just tells you that your your attacking midfielders and your forwards are not doing enough amongst themselves. I think at times we get the ball. We did it a bit with the Hutton. We seem to be able to get the ball, get it near the box, and then all of a sudden we've got two or three of our players playing the ball back to each other or trying to go past three players and they just they just get surrounded. Or you end up back on the halfway line. Yeah, or, or whereas, you know, we see some of the other teams and they just seem to be able to play it around us, find space and smack it in the goal. Yeah, for all the all yeah. the possession we had against West Ham the other day, for example, the one time we really went at them and paced, we got our first goal. You know, kind of the, the march down the wing and then burn overlapping and crossing it early. Yeah, we got a bit of a bit of luck out of it, but... You know, it's the one time we really, I mean, for the, I thought most of the first half, although we were a better team, we looked pretty one-paced, as we do pretty much all the time without Lamptey. We don't look like we've got, there's no one else with any sort of real pace in that team. Hmm. Yeah. and like, Arguably, we, Connolly, I suppose, is the one you could possibly say. But, I mean, if he gets the wrong goal, he's so erratic that there's a fair chance he'll miss anyway. But he's probably the one other who's got any sort of genuine pace in the squad. Yeah, it really is a case of the two things, isn't it? Of not, not being um, incisive enough to create enough of the good type of chances and not taking some of the chances that we do get. It's a combination of those two things, isn't it? And it all ties into this first half, the second half thing again. Um, you look at the Liverpool game, we had two golden chances to score there. Maybe, you know, the narrative changes if the first one goes in, you know, whatever. But, but arguably, we could have been 2 nil up in that game. Um, and then they're on the back foot um, a bit and they, they've got to come at us from that position yeah. and they could get caught on the break. You look at... Um, oh, we got hammered at Leicester. We, we had the goal that uh, Welbeck was one-on-one with the keeper. Yeah. Nil, nil. I mean, if they yeah. may have beaten us 4-1 if they'd done that, but, you know... Yeah. West Brom, West Brom, we should have put to bed completely in the first half. Yeah. West Ham, we should have we should have made that count. We should have been at least a couple of goals up on the balance Alice. of play. Alice, on, on the balance of nation. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, OK, we got r- ripped off by the by the um, officials as well. But nonetheless, but we should home, still have won that game. Burnley home, we had all the ball, all the possession yeah. and everything. Fulham away, we missed a sitter through Welbeck and yeah. then probably second half were a bit unlucky. Yeah, yeah, to be fair. Uh, and Arsenal, Arsenal, to be honest. You know, Arsenal really, was, was a game... They're fine where... margins, aren't they? But they all come yeah. down into the end to a bit of quality. Yeah, yeah, and every team who's relegated pretty much, maybe not Sheffield United this year, but everyone who's been relegated has fine lines and fine margins that didn't go their way. It's the story of every relegated team. Yeah. But, you know, these things... Well, I, yeah. I think you could apply that to... For us. I think you could apply that to Sheffield United. I think just yeah. last season, those fine margins, a lot of them went in their favour. They won a lot of games by an odd goal. And this season, they're not doing it. Yeah, they yeah. Have, they're losing by the goal. And Wilder said actually this week he was he was saying something along the lines of um, we're playing the same way but we're lacking the belief and the conviction to make that telling difference those fine lines in a game. I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along those lines. Ignoring everything else, if we just held on against West Brom, who I don't know if they got another away point, but they may have. They've not got many if they have got any. Um, well, Liverpool. <laughs> oh yeah, was that a one? Yeah. yeah, a bit of a of all places, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it may be only Liverpool then. Anyway, if they they. Yeah. They, they, I can't remember where their one win was, but yeah, anyway, hmm. I've been at home, I think. Um, yeah, and we managed to hold on. And even with our terrible second half performance, we had, were 10 minutes away from holding on. And if we just 
played better at Sheffield United or even Jahan matched a bit of head in from like two yards out at the end, we'd have 17 points, which, while not great, would put us in touch with the kind of the, the lower end of the pack and also have us six points clear relegation zone. Just those and the two confidence picks. is different then, isn't it? Even ignoring fact, all the other stuff that's gone on. Yeah, because um, the confidence is different then and we may actually have more points than that because yeah, of even if we been playing... Even if we haven't, yeah. we'd be at the lower end of the of the the, the mid table group, the lower the lower middle table group, and we'd be, you know, kind of six points to the relegation zone. You know, it wouldn't be great. We wouldn't no one would be kind of going over the you know, over the moon and ecstatic about it, but we'd be saying, Well, you know, it's an okay base, you know, we've had we've been a bit unlucky, mm-hmm. maybe we could have got more, but but yeah, just I mean, failing to beat any of the four teams or now three teams below us and Burnley uh, yeah. is yeah, ridiculous. Especially as three. Bar- barring a swing around in the in, in the forthcoming games, um, that's going to be a telling problem, isn't it? Now because there's too many of those games. Those ones, not not the teams like um, argument, but just generally your 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 big matches, basically the ones where you're a you're trying to gain points in a more winnable game, and b you're trying to stop the opposition doing the same. Yeah, we've stopped them winning the game. Fine. We haven't tended to lose the games, but the fact is we're not getting any better off than they are, and they're below us, and yeah. so we're not getting away. It's been the story of the last two seasons, though, as well, because we had a run January, February last year against relegation relegation threatened teams like Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, where we didn't win any, and we had a run the yeah. year before as well. Where we had about I think the last five of the last seven home games were against struggling bottom six teams or something like that, and we only won. We didn't. We only beat Huddersfield. I think we had like one win, one draw, and we lost to like Bournemouth, Southampton. Uh, what uh, Burnley, all of whom were down the bottom with us. We don't yeah. seem to be able to, and it comes back to what other people have been saying actually, but we don't have that cutting edge, that real killer instinct. We're kind of, we're mm. too nice. We don't, we don't seem to have that real grit to like grind games out and really kind of dig in. Yeah. Well, I know, Peter, you're saying you're swaying towards the Potter out camp. I mean, I said this a week or two ago that I'd gone from a 90 to a 65 slash 70. I would say my general philosophy is pretty much on the same level, except for when you get team sheets like the one we had yesterday, yesterday evening. You, I, I've got to drop it a little bit further from my point of view. I'd say I'm now into the sort of the 55 to 60 category in terms of resolution to stay, shall we call it. Um, the question is, we, we said about if we did end up going down, playing good football, being unlucky or whatever, going down, he'd probably be the best man to come back up. And you're also at this point now saying, well, maybe it could be in the Potter out camp if we don't spend any money. Um, is, is it though the case? If you Would you really want him to go if he carries on exactly what's happened so far this season, carries on, and we just drop below that line and we end up getting relegated? So not, not completely crashing and burning or anything. Occasional quirky lineups like that one and a continuation of a... Should we should we call it too much fiddling around with with the squad and and too too lack too lacking in in consistency of a, a lineup? Would so so basically if we go down but not by much and we carry on playing the same style, would you be on board with keeping him on the basis that he would be one of the best options coming up again? I'm not totally convinced he he would be actually at the moment because it's interesting that the whole thing about Swansea and he re- and he turned them round and got. Dan James playing really well and McBurney and that sort of thing. But the point's been made that they then sold James and McBurney and got to the playoffs last year. And then having yeah. sold one or two more players are in the top six again this year. They're doing pretty well. So actually, I, I, you know, it would be quite nice football maybe in quite, but whether he actually has the killer instinct again to get us up is yeah, who knows? debate. And whether, I mean, I'm, I'm not genuinely not advocating an Allardyce or a, you know, a kind of, you know, kind of hoof ball sort of 
solid defensively and that sort of thing, or even a Hewton. But what I would consider is a kind of maybe a, I don't know, someone who's in between, who maybe is a bit more pragmatic. The name I've yeah. seen mentioned by people, or don't, I'm not sure how realistic he is and where he is now, but Benitez, I don't know whether he, there'd be any chance of getting him, but I've seen yeah. him once on people mention him on, sort of, online. Yeah. I, I That'd think be interesting. We'd have to stop calling him a fat Spanish waiter, wouldn't we, in, in, in song I, I there. Think but... Premier League experience if we, if we do get, move Potter on. I don't think we will, and I think they will stick with him if we go down. And actually, mm. we could well go down, given the number of players we've bought with a, with a quite decent squad, even if we do sell the kind of the obvious players. Yeah, um, I, I, I would be relatively confident, assuming he hasn't lost the dressing room or anything um, overall, you know, it, of him being able to do a, a Sean Dyche, uh, well, a better footballing version of Sean Dyche, but yeah, ultimately the bounce back. I think that's feasible. Um, the question is, I mean, you look at sackings that have happened recently, the ones we haven't mentioned, actually, um, the Watford manager's gone. Um, by all accounts, that might actually for once be, a, even though they, they, they fire managers like we have um, cups of tea, you know. Uh, but I think they probably, you know, that might have been a good move because they've got a very good squad and apparently they're not playing a very creative brand of football. Um, they've decided to, to, to twist and they've got off to a good start. The guy I'd never heard of as a manager, but who knows, or coach, I should say, but who knows. Um but then you look at uh, Sheffield Wednesday of Sacks, again, another trigger-happy club now. Uh, Sanchiri is his name, I can't remember now, um, yeah. the owner. Um, yeah. he, he, sacked, um, he, he sacked Pulis and he's quoted as saying, um, to give us the best chance of survival. I think, no, you've just sacked your best chance of survival. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Pulis a specialist. Apparently got four points from their last two games in charge, which seems yeah. to yeah. be to be fair, he did have a really bad start, Poulis. He didn't really make much difference at all at first. But then to get a win and then to get a creditable draw away at Blackburn, albeit they lost the lead, but it was a draw, um, four points from six. You saw, he's had 10 games in charge, 45 days. That mm. is a ridiculous decision. The Watford one usually is wrong, but I'm not sure about that one. Um, the West Brom decision, I think, the was... limitations were in the top six still. For all the yeah, exactly. Exactly. And West Brom, I think that was an appalling decision to get rid of Billich. He's, as yeah. you said to yourself, Peter, he's achieving. He's not overachieving. He's not underachieving. He's achieving. And now you brought in Sam Allardyce, who, as I said, I thought was probably a step, just a, a step too late into his career to, to do it with a, a much tougher job. And he's already proving himself to, to be underachieving that side now, because the very thing that he's supposed to be good at, he's failed to do because they got thrashed by Leeds 5-0, including a comedy own goal. Um, Andy? Yeah, I mean, on that on that uh, point about Allardyce as well, you've got to believe that he's been told that he could bring certain players in in January. Yeah. You know, and they're likely to be players that ultimately are not going to, you know, they're going to change the way that West Brom plays. You're, buying a, you're doing a temporary solution to something that actually just knocks you off your long-term trend. And that would be my worry about Potter going during the season. I mean, at the moment, I think yeah. it's close. We could go down. We could stay up. If we could get two or three wins, we're back in the middle. If we don't, then maybe we are going to be in the relegation zone. I'm just worried about if he goes, who comes in? And, you know, that notion of, like, we've got a long-term strategy, we know where we're going, just goes out the window to try and, you know, to keep the premiership money. And then all of a sudden, we get a, a couple of years down the line, and we maybe had another turnover of a manager. And then you've got a squad of players that don't really fit. And then you're having to get rid of people. I, I think I, you know, to bring other people in, I, I think I would stick with it. I, I think if we go down, we're not going to go down by much. And actually we might stay up. And then he's two years experienced. And also 
if the chairman wants to make a decision, then he can make a decision at the beginning of June. Yeah. Again, yeah. you know, where, where whoever comes in gets the budget and has long enough with the players to at least have a decent pre-season. That yeah, would be my preserved, a... preferred view. Yeah, um, mine, but mine too, last, I think. You know, I think in terms of team selection, he doesn't help himself with last night. But then, yeah. you know, we do have this ability, though, don't we, to actually make teams look fairly ordinary, but we can't do it for 90 minutes. I'm thinking, yeah. you know, look, Fulham were on, they had some good results, and then all of a sudden, you know, we play them, um, and they, don't, they look second best, but could have still won the game. And, you know, for 45 minutes, we did the same with Arsenal that had just beaten Chelsea quite convincingly. And then yeah, we I'm really intrigued to, to see what... Brilliant, though, that's the other side. We play Sheffield United to make them look excellent with 10 Well, yeah, we can't... Yeah, what we can't do is the other <laughs> bit, can we? We can't, like... I mean, I wouldn't mind us going two goals up and then making them look ordinary. That'd probably get us over the line. I guess the team I'm looking forward to us playing is Leeds. You know, can we contain them when they're rampant and beat them? Or are they going to just... You know, they're going to be the first team that really kind of really destroys us in a game and beats us 5-0. I, I don't see them destroying us. I don't, I don't think Leeds are that good. I know they won 5-0 last night, but West Brom, from, from all sound of it, were dreadful and just basically fell apart after the own goal. Yeah, they did They did everything they didn't do against on. Liverpool, didn't they, apparently? Yeah. They, they just fell apart. Boxing Day, was it? Or the 27th, whatever it was? Yeah. They, they, they were very fortunate to beat Burnley with a questionable penalty and a Burnley yeah. should have had a goal, perfectly good yeah. goal as well. But there have, there have been some games, though, where they've... Where they've really like taken it to the opposition, and sometimes they've got stuffed, and sometimes they've stuffed the opposition. I mean, it would be interesting because actually that might be one play in them, might be one game where they're actually going forward, there's a lot of space and opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And it's whether we so. can limit theirs while um, making the most of ours. Yeah, I mean, just a few points. What, what you just said, Andy, about changing managers, I, I agree with you, and that was the point I was going to come around to. Actually, was to say I think it's far too risky to change managers. Um, because I don't think there's an easy fix. I think even if you do go for a Big Sam equivalent, if there is another one out there, Pulis is available, for example. Now, you, you're not really going to get advocating a Big Sam equivalent. Yeah, you're not. That's not going to work. It's changing the style, and I think it's too risky, especially so close to the transfer window already. Yeah. Um, you're not going to have enough time to prep the the, the deals you yeah. want to do. And that's one thing for certain. I do think sticking is as good as twisting in terms of it can turn around. He could turn it around. He's still relatively inexperienced. We don't know if he's going to be able to up his game, um, whether we get some breaks in the second half of the season as well. Um, so there's that to take into account. There is the issue of that if you do muck it in until the summer, uh, regardless of what's happened, if we manage to stay up, um, then on the basis that we're a Premier League team again with a summer to go for, that's a better time to try and get a really major striker in than it is in this window where, A, the sort of people you want to go for are in the middle of a good season, probably, for the club they're with. They don't want to change. Um, I've mentioned Ivan Tony. I'm not sure how high on the scale he'd fit, but just for example, him, he's in the middle of having a really good season for a promotion-chasing club in his first season with them. You're not going to be able to get him. If it's the summer, maybe you can if they don't go up, that kind of thing. You're much better equipped in the summer to try and get a um, a centrepiece striker, should we call it, um, or whatever else we need at the time. So I would I would be inclined to stick with him regardless, unless he starts completely losing the dressing room or his head. Um, the, the lineup yesterday didn't, as you said, didn't help his, his case. The substitutions, which we've already talked about in some detail before, as a general point, in this particular game, um, I know Peter, you were saying that. Um, you know, we we need we we were too slow to make those decisions, and it hasn't been an issue before. It now is in recent games, and and I agree with you. I do think, to be fair, he was probably about to make the subs, 
that the fact is Arsenal scored just before we brought on our two subs, which were in the 60. Even though Sorry? he was about to do it, it was still too late. They yeah, exactly. Exactly. The goal is just the, the is just the consequence of what's going on on the pitch already. I mean, it's 67 and 68 minutes. We brought more pay on for McAllister. Okay, fine. And we brought on March for proper. You think, well, yeah, whatever. And then later on, Trossard, who's blown pretty hot and cold, to be honest, as you've said, Andy, in, the, in recent games, he needs to have greater consistency. He comes on for Jahanbach, which is roughly speaking a like-for-like type of thing. So in other words, We've used, we've only got the three subs to use, of course. We used one of the three for the striker when, as we mentioned, we had four strikers on the bench. We're chasing the game when all of the, all three of those subs were made. You know, it doesn't make sense, does it? Andy? Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was just going back to Peter's point about, you know, not wanting to bring in, um, you know, a Sam Allardyce, um, yeah. like manager. So I think the only way in some ways, if, if we're not going to do that, the only other way is going to go is if they've already got someone that they've identified that they think is another up and coming or established coach that they think can do the same kind of role that we've got we've got now. And if yeah. they haven't, if they haven't, then I think they're going to stick with what they've got. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Village will be a bad choice personally. I mean, Possibly. yeah, West Brom pretty solid at the back generally. And he also got the best last season, especially initially under uh, likes of Pereira and Dean Garner and that sort of thing, players like that, who are actually quite, you know, flair players as well. I mean, you know, I think he, he almost would be some, I mean, yeah, some people might say he's a bit too near to the likes of Allardyce, but I think he would be a bit more middle ground. Obviously, yeah. when he was with Sam, he had Payette playing brilliantly and kind of creative players like that. He has got creative players you know, playing really well, but he's also yeah, I mean, got a knowledge of defence and a solidity. I mean, my, my big thing is, what is his style now under Potter? I don't see this. When, when he first joined, I saw a clear identity and a clear way of playing that now just seems to involve just passing it around and not really going anywhere. There isn't a clear style of play. There isn't, you know, last yesterday, we were hoofing it up towards Bernardo on the wing. I mean, that was, you know, obviously a tactic. There, there isn't a kind of clear... I, I thought he was being brought in for clear, for quick, quick-paced attacking, um, possession football, but also at pace, not just you know, kind of holding it and just like and sitting back and waiting for teams to get back. Yeah. But none of that seems to have transpired. So there isn't really a style of play. And yeah, Bernardo was on the left flank, just headed, winning the ball in the air quite regularly yesterday from long kicks from Sanchez. I mean, that's not what we brought him yeah. in for. And style of play wise, I mean, as you said, a middle ground, if there was a change, a middle ground type of manager at the at least would be what I'll be looking at. Benitez is an interesting idea. I don't know if it's possible. Eddie Howe's been mentioned by a number of people. He does play more of attacking football and has got results generally, although, of course, last season it went wrong. But that's maybe a case of things going I stale. I will be interested. In I'm not, not, not completely sure. But that kind of a manager. Bilic is an interesting idea. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, maybe. Um, Further down the line, if we're talking later, you know, if, if it's succession planning, um, I'm just going to mention one thing, actually. It's not relevant to any change that we might be inclined to make in the next year or so. But further down the line, Russell Martin, who is a Brighton boy, he, I think he was with us in the youth ranks, but he didn't play for us at senior level. Obviously, went on to a good career with Norwich and so on. Um, he's, he's got an academy set up, isn't he? A youth academy of some sort in the, in the Sussex area. Um, he's a Brighton fan. And he's playing some really good football with MK Don. So that's one to look out for in the future. I just wanted to mention that one I remembered. But in terms of yeah, changing now, I... I, would, I would look out for, I, I would really want to see back is um, um, Liam Rossinia. Obviously yeah, he's yeah. In the coaching stuff at Derby, or he's no longer in, uh, he's no longer in the lead on the coaching. They're all, they're all together, weren't they? And now Rooney's leading. Yeah. 
They've really yeah. got the job permanently. They've brought someone new in, whether he would still have a job and if he didn't, whether we could find a way of bringing him back onto the coaching staff. And I mean, maybe that's the alternative. Maybe Potter needs to look at the coaching staff. Is this, do we need someone with more experience? You know, kind of kind of like, obviously we missed out on Sammy Lee when Huppier was here. Um, but yeah, does, I mean, he, does he need yeah. maybe with a bit more experience, yeah. and a bit more knowledge in the backroom staff to, to bring that sort of, you know, to help out there? Yeah. I mean, one person one person we mentioned, uh, we, we talked about Glenn Murray coming back and what's he going to do with the second half of this season. Could he not um, just help us out in the short term with some uh, coaching striker training? Um, you know, he's hugely experienced. He's a great finisher. And there's elements that we're missing are the elements he's got. Yeah. Um, well, we, we could do with more pace up front as well, which he hasn't got. But but apart from that, he's got the other yeah, elements. He's great and he could either. Yeah, <laughs> and he could impart his knowledge and his wisdom and his experience. And I think he's, he's like a good figure within the dressing room and he's there, isn't he, as well? So he's probably the right sort of personality. He seems intelligent enough. He's decent as a pundit. Um, could he not be part of that, maybe? I, I, it's, maybe there's some value in, in that. The fact is, is, of course, he'll probably want to play because he's coming to the end of his career. But, um, but no, it's a good point. Do we, do we need to improve the coaching or change the coaching behind the scenes? Improving is probably maybe not the right word, but have someone a bit more like a, like a mentor, like yeah. a mentor, really. Someone yeah, is it is sports psychologist more, even? Do we need yeah. just somebody's got that bit more knowledge and a bit more experience Premier League compared to? I mean, obviously, Potter's team are all in their second in the second season of Premier League, so they're all quite inexperienced. So maybe someone just to you know just to help it and help us through a difficult point. And that's that's what my concern. I think so. We were discussing this off air earlier. I'm not convinced that Potter is a manager who is easy, finds it easy to get out a team out of a rut. So obviously we mm. had that big rut before, before, or hadn't won in 2020 before we went into lockdown in the last season. And lockdown, well, I think probably came at a good time for us. I obviously, we can't say we'd have gone down or not gone down if we'd had a normal season last year. But there's certainly a chance we might have done because we, were, we hadn't won in the whole calendar year. Now we're going through a similar ruts. Are we going to, we may even get a, a circuit breaker if there's talk of one to actually help us out this time as well, conceivably, ironically. But yeah. um, his it's question is, can he turn it around when things are going, on, you know, going looking, yeah. things are looking bad? And actually in a more experienced head, someone to oversee, you know, help him out and advise him and that sort of thing, who's been there and done it and been to the really, might actually be a really good, you know, really good option. Yeah. And I, I yeah, agreed. And I think I would stick at the moment. The, the thing is, it is a, a time where if you are Tony Bloom, if you are going to make a call, you want to make it now because we part of what we would need to do would involve uh, transfer as well. I think we would need to get someone in, which in a way would be a bit bit of a sly one on, on Graham Potter because then he doesn't get the benefit of that much-needed player anyway, which is why I think we should stick. But if we are going to twist, then you want at least to have one or two bits of wiggle room flexibility for a new manager in the really, transfer really like window. Either have a manager or a new manager or a new striker in place yeah. by the Leeds yeah. game. But I think obviously yeah. if it's not going to happen for Wolves, we've then got two weeks where we've only got Man City away, which I mean, let's be honest, we can pretty much write off at the best of times. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, then- I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think um, I, I would certainly be inclined to, stick with him to be honest and I think the big thing for us is really the, the obvious one is to try and get in a major signing on loan um, it, it's, a, it's a fix for this season then we can look at signing someone in the window I'm just going to mention that um, our friend Jason Saunders who's with us for the preview pod the Arsenal fan is going to join us now as well um, so I'm just going to add him into the uh, conversation um, so uh, just to get his view the, the alternative view on uh, 
on how things went yesterday, because I'll be interested to get the opposition view on this one. And he is with us. Welcome back, Jason. Yeah, you're on the air. How are you? I'm good. How are you all? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Well, we're, yes, we're basking yeah. in the glory of another wonderful defeat. <laughs> um, we, we, as you can probably imagine, because we've been on air for an hour or so, we've um, we've covered pretty much all of the the main kind of points uh, surrounding Potter and surrounding the team selection, which was rather curious from our point that of was, view. Yeah, that was I say the um, team selection playing without our strikers against an Arsenal team who are sort of just yeah. coming in with confidence is a bit strange. What? Yeah, one of the things we were lamenting was the fact that Morpay didn't have any significant involvement. He came on as a later sub in the game and, you know, too late to influence anything. Um, were you pretty pleased that he wasn't playing? Because I was relieved you were... to be honest. Yeah. Like, have not, playing against no strikers made it a little more easier for us. But I think, you, you, especially the first half, um, you did really well. And I think the only thing that was missing was the goal. Yeah. And if we, went, if we went in one nil down, I don't think anybody could complain. Well, did you say the first half of this game or have you just described our season? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the game, actually. But yeah, if you want to talk about the season, I think. But no, the game, definitely. First half of the game, I think it was definitely a one-way traffic until, until the second half. Yeah. We haven't actually talked about the, um, the goal specifically in, it, in its own right, um, other than just referencing it. Um, well, separate to that. But... Um, what did you make of the goal? Good goal from your point of view? Yeah, yeah, it was a good goal. It was a good finish from Lacazette. He was on there for, what, 21 seconds as well? But, yeah, um, not bad. Uh... Yeah, no, he, he showed good composure. Great, great effort from Saka on the right as well. Um, but yeah, it was, good, it was a good build-up play. And it, it seemed like it was coming for about the last probably 10, 15 minutes. It didn't have any yeah. real sort of goal chances, apart from, I think, Aubameyang when he scored that one. But... The actual goal itself, the build-up play was was really good. Yeah, because I, I think you've you've suffered from a lot of the same problems as us, as to not being able to 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 be incisive up front. And um, I, I agree with you. I think that. And you mentioned there that um, uh, it felt like it might have been coming for a little bit, and that's the problem we had that we didn't make substitutions earlier than we did, which was ended up being ones I think we were preparing when you scored and then made yeah. anyway. Um, but um, Andy, over to you. What, what were you well, going to say on that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I'm not sure that Lacazette would have been um, watching Glenn Murray closely, but in some ways that that was a classic Glenn Murray goal, as in when, when the defence starts going back towards their goal, all the defenders go back to cover that six-yard line and Lacazette just stands still, doesn't move forward, stands still, and that's what gives him the space. I think the bit that he probably did better than even Glenn Murray was the way he just... As the player comes out to him again, he curves it around him and inside the box, into the goal, sorry, inside the post of the goal. That bit, I thought, was sheer class, actually. The finish yeah. itself. Because it wasn't an easy finish from there. And like you say, Jason, he's only been on the, the pitch seconds, really, and he's straight into it. But the fact that he just, while everyone was running back towards the goal, he just stops and just stands still. That's what gives him that space to get that shot away. Yeah, yeah. I agree. We were saying earlier in the show, it's like you guys changed second half immediately. We, we didn't match it at all. For, I think the first five minutes, we had two really good chances and you just looked a different team immediately and Potter needed to react pretty quickly, like first five, ten minutes and make a sub or make a change and he didn't do it and, and then left it. Although probably we were trying to make the sub before you scored, it was too late by then anyway. It should have been done 10, 15 minutes earlier. And he, yeah, and he, whether or not... Even if we hadn't, yeah, we may not have done this. Yeah, we may not have improved after that, but at least we'd have tried to, you know, react to your, to your improvement, but we didn't. So I, I don't know what you think, Jason. I couldn't myself. I wasn't sure whether what changed for Arsenal's second half 
was tactics or just mindset? I think it was mindset. I think I think going in at half time, I can see Arteta was a bit angry with them, and like you can see, he's he had a reaction second half because he didn't really do anything tactically that I could see, but it was it was a bit more urgency. They were sort of um, holding to the ball less. You know, they're getting out of their feet about 22 or three touches and then they're passing the ball. Rather than the first half, they'll pass them backwards and a bit more calm and casual. Whereas the second half is a bit more urgency, a bit more hunger. Yeah, I mean, you've pretty much described the game. You won't have seen the full game. You might have only seen the highlights, but the, the West Ham match we played immediately beforehand. Um, that's the exact same description of the two halves in that match. Uh, West Ham looked very ineffective. They... They, they looked like they needed a rocket up them. It looked like they got a rocket up them at halftime. Came out with, again, not particularly too much difference tactically going on. There was a couple of subs as the game wore on. But, um, you know, effectively, they just looked more hungry for it than they had been. Um, it's weird, isn't it? I don't understand. And even from our Sunday football, Jason, you'll, uh, you'll attest that it's it, the, the psychology and the, the way a team plays doesn't seem to make sense with how you've just gone out onto the pitch at the beginning. You're set up fully motivated, ready to go, and you start slowly, or you know, it, it, it just doesn't go the way you expect it's going to go, does it? Um, yeah. It's weird how the psychology goes on during a game and the half-to-half thing as well. In fact, what we just what you described about Brighton also describes us this season, doesn't it? In the Sunday. Sunday yeah. football. <laughs> We've been better first half, haven't <laughs> taken our chances. Mm, it's horrendously familiar for me. You can yeah. imagine what it's like in duplicate. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was thinking, but what do you think about his selection yesterday um, for the Brighton lineup? Um, curious would be the polite way of putting it. Um, baffling would be a probably more accurate one and infuriating for some fans. We had a lot of attacking options on the bench. Um, I get that, yeah. I was I was gobsmacked really, and um, and even if you kind of accepted that you might have wanted to give a few players a rest, we've all said that we still don't understand why that keeps more pay out of the team. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and as, as, as you, I think one of you guys said earlier, why Basuma starts? Who's the one who anything puts the most into every game? Yeah, and who actually yeah. was very lucky not to get another yellow yeah. card and miss the Wolves game actually. And, and and to be honest with you, I think most of our subs second half were probably. Because the players on the pitch have hardly played any minutes and we're all tired and needed to come off. Yeah. You know? Well, that yeah, that's proper came off. I mean, why on earth they didn't put another striker on and play Grush further back on him proper off? Surely you put Welbeck. If Welbeck can't play 20 minutes or half an hour, then you should have him on the bench. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think we were there for the taking first half. We're definitely there for the taking. And yeah. I, yeah. I think you didn't test your keeper enough. There was like, you didn't make, he didn't make a save really for a proper save first half. And that's yeah. that's been the story of our season. For all the possession, for all the, the nice football, for all the shots, we don't test the keeper. And it's and if you can't do that, then there's no point dominating. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of substitutions, um, yeah, I mean, you obviously it was a brilliant uh, move bringing on. Although I do like Martinelli, I think he's a really good player. But obviously, the Lacazette coming on was immediately impactful. Um, Aside from that, talking about your team in general, um, I was really impressed with Smith Rowe. I didn't catch the previous game, which I think he played as well, didn't he? Um, he seemed quite a lively presence. Um, can you tell us anything about him, Jason? Well, he's been he's been sort of um, in the Europa League team, should I say, for the last last well this season and last season. He was drafted out to Leipzig on loan uh, last year, yeah. but he only played a, like a handful of minutes because he was injured for most of the season. So that was his real chance, really, to shine. But he's, he's been hampered by injury. But we've um, the Arsenal camp has been screaming for him to get into the team because he's a sort of the only player who who can offer that sort of drive and 
creativity that obviously Ozil can, who is not in the team. So he came in against Chelsea and he, yeah, he basically ran the show and he hasn't looked back since. I'm surprised he played the full well. He played what, 80 odd minutes yesterday because he. Yeah, I think, I think he was subbed on 89 minutes. So yeah, yeah he played so pretty much the whole game. He's, he's mm. a good player. He's about 90, I think he's 19, 20 years old now, but he's, he's definitely worth, worth a look at basically in the future. Yeah, and, and getting these players in. I mean, we we're talking about the subs. We, we made ours, we think, too late. We had four attackers uh, in the squad. They were all on the bench, which is bizarre, or f- forwards anyway. Um, plus Trossard, who's a, kind of like, yeah, pretty much a, a forward as well. Um, and then, you know, it was one of those is Sakiri, who's a young lad, who we didn't give him a, a run out if that was another option if, if the others weren't available or realistically available in terms of Connolly and Welbeck. So, it's um, although Graham Potter is uh, is not averse to trying youth. That's an understatement. Um, I think that's one where maybe if that was the option, we could have maybe brought him on as, as an alternative to give Arsenal something different that they won't know about because we don't know about him, so you guys won't. Um, maybe that would have been the option. But yeah, no, I thought Arsenal for me definitely a better second half. Um, and yeah, I was I was impressed with Smith Rowe. A- any other sort of observations from the game from? Anybody in particular? I would I would say as with West Ham, I don't think Arsenal were great second half. I think they looked more lively, looked more dangerous, but they weren't mm. brilliant. I mean, it wasn't like you know they were incredible and Arsenal at their what I imagine fluid best sort of thing. They were you know you guys attacked more and we didn't know how to deal with it a bit, but it wasn't amazing. It wasn't like you know scintillating football. And after the first ten minutes, they get they set the half settled down a bit, and there wasn't really much in it until the goal. Generally, yeah, I agree. I just think it was the hunger. I think it was the hunger that was more. That was more apparent and probably more motivation mm. to get mm. something out of the game. I would say I agree with the um, the quality wasn't there, but it's just that sort of drive and determination that was that was more apparent. I think so it was one moment of quality, wasn't it? Really, in a, yeah. In a, yeah, that was it. I mean, there wasn't much. There was. I mean, generally, Aubameyang probably should have done better with the one that Sanchez managed to save. And generally, the, the shooting was pretty awful. But that one moment of quality from Lacazette was the difference. And yeah. we, we yeah. can't. And beat. I know. In the last podcast, I did say it's not very tongue-in-cheek about relegation rivals, but in terms of Arsenal, it does. It is important to get those results any old how, to show the hunger, get over the line, back-to-back yeah. wins now, two two games, up to 20 points. It does actually allow you to relax a bit, doesn't it? Because it, it was starting to get to the point where the uh, the media vultures were circling and trying to make some, should we say, some, some good uh, content and fun out of the uh, situation. Yeah. And it just t- takes the pressure off Arteta, more importantly for you guys, doesn't it? And allows him to continue with the project. Yeah, especially <laughs> the league. The league is so tight as well, like a couple of a couple of runs in the, game, in the league and you're sort of back in it. Yeah. Like we're only yeah, yeah. six points point behind Chelsea. We ain't, we ain't actually won a game since Boxing Day, obviously, but before that was November. And we're now six points behind Chelsea, uh, I think the same behind Spurs as well. So, yeah, like you can even say 12 behind Liverpool, and we're what sitting yeah. in the bottom half of the table. That's how close I mean, it does. It, it does feel like a season, doesn't it, where the title's there for the taking? Yeah, someone's just got to make their mind up that they really want it. It feels like one of those seasons. Leicester will take it. <laughs> well, no, maybe they will. They, they yeah. were had a chance to really go clear at the top, and they failed to beat West Brom at home. It's like I mean, yeah. someone someone pointed out the other day that really the Liverpool team, for all their injuries, are only really missing the two centre halves now, aren't they? Mm. Oh, yeah. Thiago, oh, Jota, Jota as well. Thiago's yeah. the other one as well. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, for, for the team last season, Jota wasn't yeah. in it. Oh, sorry, from last season. Yeah, yeah. 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 But they're not actually. I mean, they're down a couple of players. So yeah, mm. that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's still Liverpool's to lose looking at the table, but yeah, it's a small margin. So it, it really is an open one. Um, frustrating for anybody like, I, I guess, like you guys at Arsenal, who if you'd have been sitting in the periphery, but kind of in the sort of where, the typical Arsene Wenger position, should we call it, of sort of mm-hmm. sitting around somewhere around fourth, frustrating all your fans, but not being too far off. This might have been yeah. the season if you if you had that time now, you might have actually been able to to, to mount a title challenge, given the fact I think it's going to be a lower points total. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it will be. I think you will. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. So there we go. But yeah, you're only a point behind Wolves now. Interestingly, as well, I notice. Um, um, speaking of the table, um, we're speaking before Fulham play their game this evening, um, which is. Suggestion it might be called off because of COVID. Fulham have got a few more permanent positive tests. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But if it does go ahead, it's a tough one. It's away at Spurs. They're two points behind, so they'd have to win the game to go ahead of us. Um, if they did, it would be the only time we've been in the bottom th- uh, three since the first week of the first season. So basically, yeah, three on and a half years. On that, on that COVID circuit breaker, I thought Sam Allardyce was interesting. I don't, I don't totally disagree with him, but... If it's going to benefit anybody else for there to be a, a suspension in the season for a while, it's got to be him, hasn't it? A chance <laughs> yeah. to work with his players, getting yeah. any players that he needs. It'd be typical that something else goes against us like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, in that regard. Just like you just I sort of think, yeah, Sam. You know, as well, to be honest, I mean, it, we can't be under under any in any worse form about you know if if it comes True. out. So. I, I, I think we should be advocating for it as well, personally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've mentioned circuit breakers. I mean, obviously, this has loomed up again. COVID's been dominating the football horizon uh, for quite a while. Um, but in terms of um, postponements, there was a sizable number on Boxing Day up and down the land in the yeah. uh, professional yeah. leagues. Um, I think there was something like 10, 11 games postponed on Boxing Day. Other games since, uh, I think Morecambe and a couple of other clubs have now had to cancel some games. Um, the the, the eye catching one, of course, was Everton City. Uh, which got postponed at four hours' notice, I think it was, um, reportedly due to City having a number of cases as well. Um, and as you've just said, Peter, maybe today's game for Fulham might get called off. Um, Scott Parker, of course, had to... I don't know if you caught it, but he got self-isolated he did, yeah, because he of to, contact yeah. with a family member, didn't he, who, who'd had he contact with someone. against Lampton, he wasn't there. It was, um, he was yeah. calling the, uh, the, the, his backup staff, whatever his, his backroom staff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they going to play yesterday because they'd had two games called off, and if they had a third, they they would have cancelled. But they were worried about getting a points deduction. I think that was a that was a point as well for Moyes, wasn't it? He, he said that it seemed as if in the Premiership, the rules as to when you can and can't um, cancel your game seemed a little bit fluid, and kind of implied that you know the league had done Man City a favour because it was Man City. And I think yeah, he's got a point City there. Certainly wasn't very impressed, judging by. Uh, it was a, it was a, a definitely a note of they weren't they didn't necessarily believe City had to call it off in their uh, statement pre pre game because of course they had two thousand fans to refund as well because they could have them at the ground and they probably reckon they won't have them by the time they ever replay replay the match. You think yeah. with someone like City and Everett, they've got a, a squad big enough to sort of cope, depending obviously on the numbers. But if you've got fourteen players, that can you can get onto the pitch then yeah, Everton you know, certainly felt that way judging by their well certainly the tone of their of their statement suggested they felt that way should we say yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it's I, a difficult I mean, one I, isn't it I, I do wonder what the, if there are actually any rules as such 
Well, it, it is notionally 14 players, but I don't know what are those 14 players from the 25-man squad or are those 14 players full stop? Because I, don't, I hardly believe yeah, City have 14 just, players available, but yeah. is it from the 25, in which case yeah. you could have 14 players available, but they wouldn't... It's, it's weird, because in, in the lower leagues, you can get games called off with a very small number of international call-ups, can't you? So it seems Rio, quite contradictory yeah. to me, yeah. Which, I think which as well, I think whether the fact that, you know, people could be turning up with COVID even after they've had a test and not realising it complicates it and then going down to 14 players isn't necessarily the only thing mm. that's taken into account. But I don't know, it does seem a bit fluid, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, incidentally, I, I, Allardyce um, apparently has, has gone on record as saying he wants the Premier League to have a circuit break as yeah. the COVID tests rise. That's surprise, right, yeah. surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it suits him, but I can't. He's possibly not completely wrong, but it's definitely interesting that it's his voice that's heard because it would definitely probably benefit him more than even Potter, because <laughs> arguably yeah. Potter knows what his players look like and you know how he wants them to play. Arguably, it's funny yeah. because obviously Big Sam doesn't want it, but then Ollie's come out and said he he basically he wants it to continue as well. So, and he's obviously yeah. second. So you can see yeah. why he doesn't want a circuit breaker and yeah. why Big Sam does. I, yeah. I would um, also wonder if they, I mean, they may consider it after the next set of games because there is that break of a week and a half, whatever, after the set of games coming up. I wonder whether they'll think about it and just say, well, maybe we'll have a three-week break for winter if yeah. the country's going to lockdown anyway, probably, and that's, you know, which may well happen at some point. Yeah, ironically, we get the winter break after all. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they started and then postponed this I year. I mean, it's, it's going to be a really tight fixture schedule either way because, I mean, it was already the, the bulk of the fixtures in the second half of the year, second half of the season. Yeah, City um, were missing a game, weren't they, at the beginning because of the Europa thing. Yeah, and then, now you know, they've the League Cup run. Yeah. So You've got, you got the Euros as well in the summer. Yeah. They've got yeah, to fit the League Cup it. semi-final in, in uh, the first week of Jan, haven't they, or something? And, oh, yeah. and Europe as well. And the FA yeah. Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only thing that might, the only thing that might not be a problem is is weather issues because um, it's usually if a game ends up getting postponed at the top level is to do with safety for access for for the crowds. That's not going to be a problem this time, um, <laughs> or not at the moment anyway. Yeah, I mean, just just on a few other quick points that have come up in the news. Um, unfortunately, yet more racist crap has been going on in uh, in the world of football. Unfortunately, it spread or at least more tangibly, spread to, to Scotland's Kilmarnock. I don't know if you heard about this, guys. There was a, 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 there was a, a written letter of uh, racist abuse sent to Alex Dyer, the manager of Kilmarnock, um, addressed to him via the club. I think, you know, Pete, I didn't realise these people could read, uh, <laughs> read and write. But um, no, I mean, he's, oh, you know, if someone takes the trouble to hand write something. I mean, what is the matter with people? Someone's totally getting around being tracked by the internet now. Just yeah, go back to the old way. Send a carrier pigeon along or something. Pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's an article in the BBC uh, online today saying that QPR have condemned the abhorrent racist abuse forward Bright Asai Samuel was subjected to on social media after Tuesday's draw with Norwich as well. So it's going on on a still on a really regular basis. Um, it's pretty depressing, um, but you know, I don't know what what we can say anymore really about that but i sort of wanted to flag those things up to just basically emphasize the point this stuff is still going on it's not acceptable it's a disgrace um and um I, actually one thing we didn't mention i don't know if you did any of you guys catch the anton ferdinand documentary that was on a few weeks ago i don't think we mentioned that on the uh, podcast um that was interesting it was all around the john terry affair um where quite clearly something was said and um it wasn't him that brought the court case a member of the public did actually bring that 
into the equation. But uh, the, the issues around how that was handled were not great. The FA's handling of his, his interview um, compared with the one that apparently was made with John Terry, which conveniently doesn't exist as a recording anymore, whereas his one does, Anton's one does. Um, you know, the, the whole issue is still a really prevalent one, isn't it, in the game? And um, we've, I guess that's one of a number of things going into the new year that we're hoping is going to get better. Um, any thoughts on that before we move on to another subject? I think, I think it's just, it sounds really bad. But, and I know that, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to get into politics, but I do think it's become more prevalent since Brexit. I think it's, for whatever reason, it's normalised racism, even though it's completely, I'm not, it doesn't mean that people who voted for Brexit did so for racist reasons, but people who are racist, I feel, have been vindicated by Brexit and feel that they're, maybe their views are shared more, possibly. And so since Brexit, there's been a lot more, I mean, it, for a long time, football really was pretty, it was very rare to see a racist incident or racist abuse. I mean, I'm sure it was more often than you heard about, but it wasn't, you know, you would, you hear about it from pretty much every week set of games. Now there's someone being and so, yeah. so maybe once Brexit clears, whatever people might, it might start drifting away, hopefully, or it sounds, I mean, I'm not guaranteeing it, but who knows? Yeah, it just seems yeah. sort of to be sort of drifting and lingering as well. Like you don't hear it for a while. And then obviously when one person says something or something comes out, another story comes out, so it's yeah. like this sort of like buses sort of thing. So uh, it's hard. It's going to be hard to clamp down, obviously, but it's just hard to clamp it down sooner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, said so there's there's plenty of room for improvement in 2021, isn't there? That's for sure. Um, both in terms of our football teams and in terms of the uh, general state of football and the world <laughs> in general. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's also been. I mean, there's been a really not just because of COVID. In fact, a lot of it isn't. But there's been a, a really large number of uh, sort of um, deaths of familiar faces, either within the game and without as well. We'll probably do a summary of that in our, uh, we'll probably do a New Year's Day podcast. If we do, we'll, we'll probably summarise some of that on there. But one sad bit of news that Colin Smart, who was um, a youth coach with us in the uh, the days of the likes of Jake Robinson, Adam Alabs, Lewis Dunk's early days, and um, uh, Dean Cox and so on, um, he, he's um, unfortunately died. I think he was in his 70s. Um, I think he had a, I think it was a battle with cancer he had, but uh, it's sad to see that he's gone. I just wanted to make mention of that. I must admit, I didn't know much about Colin. Um, it was an era where you didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes in as much detail, but it was, I think it was the era of Dean White when he was in the background as well. Um, but apparently he's well thought of. Lewis Dunk's been on record this week as saying, you know, he was a really big influence in him, motivating him into, in, into being the player that he is today. And um, he was really, you know, a, knitted things together behind the scenes so sorry sorry to hear of that news as well um i don't know if there's any other news items you guys have got uh, or anything else you wanted to discuss as we round off the show now um but if there isn't then just i was going to say to jason final word on you obviously a couple of wins in a row is good news how do you think things are going for arsenal are they moving in the right direction here is this baby steps on the on the way to a bright future or have you got doubts still with arteta uh, it's, it's definitely baby steps because you didn't really see enough yesterday to say that we're yeah, sort of yeah. on the right way up. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you've frozen, so I mean, it's, it's obviously... Right. Uh, we got lucky. <laughs> oh, there you are. <laughs> you froze for a so, second. Yeah. I thought you'd, uh, I thought you'd uh, board yourself off with a conversation <laughs> or something. I hope not. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we, definitely, <laughs> we definitely um, not there yet. Finding and, out no win. 
when you're not playing very well is 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 progress in itself. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would be I would be delighted if we could grind out a couple of one 0 wins while not being anywhere near our best at the moment. I think the next yeah. game we got is um is West Brom, Big Sam. I think that's the real test because we don't do well against Big Sam teams, even uh, even if we are playing sort of like you know, elements, even like the, the greatest Arsenal teams back in the day, the unbeaten teams. We didn't get any results against against Bolton's and teams like that that he managed. So um, his style of play really does sort of go against us. So it'd be good to see um, what result and how we play against against Big Sam. We'd very much appreciate an exception to the usual rule for Arsenal we Big Sam teams then, I think, <laughs> based on that. Um, I mean, to me, I think whatever we do, I think the bottom two are going down. Um, yeah. But it's a matter of what happens above that, really. And um, there's, there's anything, I'm looking at it, anything from about, I think it was something like 12th or 13th in the table, um, with the probable exception of Arsenal, I think anyone there could feasibly drop down. I'm, I'm less and less convinced that Leeds will um, will falter because they're getting too many good results. I think at this stage, the likes of Newcastle, yeah, I think their Christmas will make them okay now. Yeah, I think those six yeah. points pulled them from very much catchable to kind of yeah a bit too far away now. They've got like almost double the number of points we have. Yeah. It shows um, they get the breaks though as well they, when you when you're playing well, doesn't it? They, they I mean, we win against Burnley, and obviously that kind of gave them a, a boost for West Brom and. They would yeah. be, yeah, they were, as I said, extremely lucky to beat Burnley. I mean, it was a, a referee had a dreadful game there. Oh yeah, he did, didn't he? It was dreadful. And yeah, I mean, it, it, getting the breaks as well. When you're when you're playing with confidence, the breaks seem to go your way. Yeah. I mean, the comical own goal that's not like they had the any involvement in their first goal yesterday, did they? I mean, no, none at all. I mean, apart from, it was they, yeah, they were sort of generally pressing, but nothing too intense. And then he, I mean, he just plays a ball back. Yeah, he, he turns without looking and plays a ball with a bit too much pace assuming the goalkeeper was in the goal mouth. And even then, it would have been a little bit too much um, to, to be comfortable with. And um, I don't think the goalkeeper has any blame at all attached to that because he's made, he's moved out there to make an angle, to make an option yeah. for a pass back, a sensible make, pass yeah, back. Make it easier for Sawyers. Yeah, it was just a dreadful... The first rule of pass backs is don't pass it so that it's going between the posts. Then yeah. it's got to take yeah, another wide. error for, for a problem, isn't it? If ever, if ever a board, as in uh, Adam Henshaw would, another boxing for the Christmas game, whatever. But if ever a, yeah. a, a, a two games summed up a season, Liverpool won, West Brom won, followed by West Brom nil, Leeds five. <laughs> and it surely sums up the ridiculous, irrational season that's going on at the moment. I mean, it's bizarre. Yeah, really is something, can't isn't it? Up, really. You can't really make it up. Yeah. It's full of, <laughs> no, full of spurs again. Another one. I don't know what's happened with behind closed doors, but it seems to have made teams just random even more. I don't think there's no there's no home advantage. I think that goes out the window because there's no fans yeah. there. Certainly for us there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a main thing. I think um there's a statistic saying that that the away teams are getting a lot more points on the road now this season than than hmm. previous seasons. Yes, ironically, yeah. we're, we're, we're well on track to get our best away record comfortably in the Premier League this season. It's just we haven't won at home all season. Yeah, yeah, excellent. We're, we're now apparently level at our worst ever run at home, 12, we got 12 home games without a win in the league. And that Wonderful. is equal with the time when we played at Gillingham at home and what is widely accepted to be Brighton's worst ever team. And when we did the worst ever team in our, one of our this podcast, was pretty much university with the players <laughs> from that time. So... Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. We, we talked about the possible quirky idea of if we beat Arsenal with the same game, you know, two home wins against the same team in the same year being our only home wins. Well, the fact that, take that out of the equation, it isn't that. It's one home win in a calendar year. That's ridiculous. Um, 
you look at the, the stats when we talk about whether Potter should go, go or not. I mean, it doesn't bode well. No wins in seven, one win in 14, um, and no wins at home this season is pretty damning, isn't it? It's pretty bad. Um, yeah. However, as we were saying before you joined us, Jason, we're kind of, the, the question is, do you, do you change it? What's, what, what is the point? Are we not as likely to get out? With, uh, with Graham as others, but we'll have to see. But Andy, you wanted to make a point. Well, yeah, so, I mean, taking those stats, I do wonder what, what it would be like for Potter now if we had the crowds back, you know, if they were full crowds. Yeah. There, you know, because I think they probably would be getting on his back and that probably would put the chairman under a bit more a bit more pressure. It's hard to tell, isn't it? Because social media is clearly, you know, that voice is for him to be out. But there's a very small number of, of the actual fans that go week in, week out. But I've got a feeling that things at the Amex would not be great if you had 30,000 in there. And that would have been over a number of games this season, you know, as much through frustration as anything. So that, you know, that, that might actually be what saves him at the moment. Yeah, that, that's he, assuming that the, he didn't, that the crowd didn't have the influence for a positive in the way that Jason's saying uh, clubs are lacking at the moment. Well, I, I, put it, to be fair. yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not so sure we would have done because no, I the way the games used to go were well, that we would, you know, that we would be behind them, we'd be backing them, and then they'd have a few chances of goal. We wouldn't get a goal, and then we all of a sudden we get hit with a what felt like a sucker punch, and then the negatives to go in, and they'd be playing the ball around the back and be ooh ah oh, ooh ah oh, like that, you know, and and then uh, you know maybe a second one goes in or another mistake and they nearly score, and then all of a sudden the crowd start to get on top of them a bit, and I think this season you would have seen more of that. I definitely think yeah. so. Exactly. It has to be said, we hadn't won in 2020 before we went into lockdown. So we yeah, that's true. Either way. Yeah. And we had a pre- relatively winnable run as well. We played Villa, Watford, Bournemouth, you know, kind of Palace home in that time. Mm. So winnable games, not like you had not like had a really tough run. The other thing, like the other uh, thing, you say those stats, Hewton got sacked for far less than those stats. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And uh, I mean, do you think this has benefited um, Arsenal as well? Um, Arteta uh, as well, Jason, because... Um, you had games like was it was it Burnley you lost one 0 at home to? Yeah, um, I lost one 0 to Burnley. Those, lost three 0 at home to Villa. I, I can imagine that could have got quite toxic. For example, yeah, the Arsenal fans, the Arsenal fans at the Emirates, you know, it doesn't take much for them to actually turn. So um, hmm. having no fans at the ground probably benefits Arteta big time. I would say because yeah. obviously, like, and I think um, if if the results weren't going this the same way, he would probably be at the door as well because yeah. there'd be more pressure. Yeah you know, for, to get rid of him. But um, he's, he's, I, said, I think he's slowly, he's slowly turning around. But it's the same for Spurs as well. Like, like the Spurs fans with Marino there, there was not, no way want to entertain the sort of start of play that he's, he's got there at Spurs. But yeah, it's actually benefiting them on the pitch. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. Yeah, it's variable, isn't it? And, yeah, all, the, all these component parts all add up to uh, the rich tapestry that is the game. Um, we're, we're hoping that uh, that some of the uh, the patterns that develop are going to be better for us going forward, if there is a tapestry. Um, so um, on that note, I think we'll probably round up before I come up with any other appalling uh, metaphors. Um, so uh, thank you to Peter and Andy for joining me uh, as you often have been doing this year. It's been great. And we uh, this is the last one of the calendar year. Um, we'll probably do a new, I think, is it? Yeah, Peter's frowning at me. I'm new wondering now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll probably do a New Year's Day special. Um, if we do, stay tuned for that one. That will be the first of the new year. It won't be the last of the, of the uh, first year of the podcast, though, um, probably. 
Um, we, we're up to basically the 10th of Jan, I think we started. Um, so we've got a little bit of time before then. We'll probably do some kind of anniversary related acknowledgements as well. Um, but anyway, thanks, thanks to you guys um, today as always. And also thanks to Jason for rejoining us um, as he did on the preview. Um, thanks again and good luck for the rest of the season final word from you jason you are we going to stay up <laughs> brighton are we going to stay yes. up I don't, I don't i don't see um i don't see you going down good good where, jason I, where do you think you're going to finish uh, that's, a, that's a good question i'll, I'll, I'll take nine. <laughs> <laughs> nine, oh, nine top, right. of the, top of the bottom half of the table yeah, yeah, top half would be good, wouldn't it, actually, I think, for you guys. If you can get that and then build on there, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're confident in us, Jason. I'm not sure where Peter is at the moment. <laughs> and the rest of us are certainly not too sure either. Yeah, wavering, I Hang think. It on. Hang it on, Yeah, yeah, by our fingertips, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so onwards and upwards. We're in the relegation zone at the moment. <laughs> Waiting on one result to go against us, aren't we, really? Oh, exactly. That could be a... That could be a a bit of a blow, couldn't it, psychologically, if we did drop in today, um, but hopefully not. Um, we'll, as I said, we'll do one in the in the new year, which can also double up as a, a Wolves preview. So until that one, uh, from us, thanks for joining us. And um, Peter, stand or fall? Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.